Chapter twenty three of France to Scandinavia by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Holland from an airplane. Take a seat beside me in the airplane of your imagination while we fly over Holland. We are high up in the skies and so near Amsterdam that should we drop a stone overboard, it might hit one of those canal boats entering the city. We left Brussels two hours ago and passed Rotterdam within twenty minutes. We could see The Hague, Leiden, and Harlem on our left as we flew. The air trip from London to Amsterdam takes three and one-half hours, and that from Paris takes four. We can fly from here on to Denmark in eighty minutes, and, as we have chartered the plane, shall keep on our way through the skies, moving this way and that to get a bird's-eye view of the country. It is a big job, this cramming a kingdom into the eye of your mind in time that might be numbered by minutes. But one can fly across Holland from the North Sea to Germany in a little more than an hour, and from Denmark to Belgium in less than two. The longest distance across Holland from east to west is only a little greater than that from Philadelphia to Washington, and from northeast to southwest is not much farther than that from Baltimore to New York. All Holland, including the fresh waters inside its borders, is only about as large as Massachusetts and New Jersey combined. It is equal to one-third of Pennsylvania or one-half of South Carolina, and if you could cut California into ten equal parts, each would be only a little larger than the great flat land below us. Nevertheless, this country supports as many people as we have in New England, and next to Belgium, it is the most thickly populated country of Europe. It has an average of 542 persons per square mile. As we have come north, we have flown over all the big cities. Rotterdam on the river Maas, which forms one of the mouths of the Rhine, is about as big as Buffalo, San Francisco, or Washington. The Hague is in the same class as Cincinnati, Kansas City, or New Orleans, and Amsterdam is nearly the size of Pittsburgh or Los Angeles. We shall see many small cities as we fly over the country. Two out of every five Dutchmen live in big towns, and the homes of the others are in villages, in farmhouses, or in houseboats and barges on the canals. Holland is like Bangkok, Siam, in that it has tens of thousands who spend their lives on the water. We now take our field glasses and look far and wide over the country. We can see the waves of the North Sea rolling in against the sand dunes and dikes at the west, and on the east pick out villages which we know belong to the Germans. Almost everywhere between there is water. Those three great rivers at the south, filled with shipping, are the Rhine, the Maas, and the Scheldt. We spy lakes here and there, and look down upon great sheets of silver, such as the Zyder Zee, where the ocean runs in at the north. As we look, we are reminded of the saying that Holland is a kingdom afloat, yet at anchor. In the time of Julius Caesar, it was a swamp, and today one-third of the land is so low that if it were not for the embankments and dikes, it would again belong to the ocean. The fight with the sea continues day and night, and every day throughout the year. The annual cost of patching the dikes is six or seven million dollars. The government has a department known as the Waterstadt, devoted to the care of the dikes, and a corps of engineers is kept busy superintending them. The Dutch say, God made the sea, we made the shore. This statement is physically true. 
more than one half of holland has been reclaimed from the rivers and ocean by embankments and works of one kind or another the dutch began to build dikes more than ten centuries ago and they are still building them all along the north sea the sand hills have been connected by walls of earth that keep old neptune out and the government is now planning a great wall with gates across the zuider zee which will reclaim five hundred thousand acres of arable land it is proposed to divide the zuider zee into two parts by a heavy dike and then make four great ponds ranging in size from fifty four thousand to two hundred and sixty nine thousand acres these will be pumped out and turned into farms the job will take seventy years and will cost over seventy millions of dollars this seems a long time but a decade in the sight of these dutch is but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night the proposed dam includes Beringen, the island where the dutch interned the crown prince of germany and will make the southern part of the zee a vast lake with the polders or reclaimed lands in four great blocks around it there will be a passage through the dam by locks to amsterdam but that city already has a short cut to the coach at imuden by the north sea this canal when completed some years ago was large enough and deep enough to admit the biggest ocean-going ships of that day it is now far too small and only second-class steamers can pass through it the canal is to be widened and deepened and a new lock three hundred feet longer than the longest one at panama is to be built now the great ocean liners which come into holland make rotterdam their port of call when the north sea canal has these improvements amsterdam shipping will revive and the port will contend with antwerp and hamburg for transatlantic and other oceanic trade all my life i have been reading about the wonderful dikes of the dutch as a schoolboy i cried over the oft-quoted story of the little lad who when a hole broke in the sea-wall thrust in his arm half up to the elbow and stayed there all night keeping out the great ocean and thus saving his country until his people woke up and repaired the damage this is one of the many misleading fairy stories on which much of our education is based it did not come from the dutch the dikes are not built in that way most of those along the ocean are walls of stones brought in ships from other lands and dumped into the sea or laid up carefully like the wall of a house except that they are sloping other dikes are of concrete and others of stone banked with earth enclosed in a network of willows which take the place of the iron rods in reinforced concrete in some places great beds of woven basketwork are stretched along the sides of rivers and canals to hold the land and mats of willows are sunk on the sides of the waterways to be filled in with the silt in the same way as in the jetties that border the passage from the gulf of mexico to new orleans i have used the word polder this is a term employed by the dutch for land redeemed from the water there are two classes of polders sea polders and pond polders the sea polders comprise the lands which have been reclaimed from the sea by the embankments that keep out the ocean one-third of all holland is of this character if you could cut down the sand dunes and break up the dikes something like five thousand square miles a tract of land one-eighth the size of ohio would disappear under the billows to see these lands we must leave our airplane and to keep our feet dry we must even put on wooden clogs which in some places 
are still the footgear of the peasant. We shall find most of the polders, however, as dry as a bone. They are kept so by continual pumping, some by hundreds of windmills, and some by the most modern centrifugal steam pumps. The pumping goes on day and night all the year through. In making a sea polder, after the dikes have been built, the water must be pumped out into basins and canals and carried away. More water will keep on seeping in, and this must be taken out right along while the land is being built up. It is the same with pond polders, which are the reclaimed lands of the swamps and small streams and rivers, building embankments around the spaces to be reclaimed and keeping the water pumped out. But the making of a polder, its division into farms so that each will be at the right level to carry the water into the basin or canal from which it goes by two or three pumpings into higher canals and finally gets off to the sea, the transformation of the mud into arable soil and the building up of live agricultural and municipal communities into a kingdom like this forms a story that would take volumes to tell. I can only say that the Dutch understand this science better perhaps than any other people. What they have done well deserves the respect of the world and the study of those of our own people who are concerned with problems of irrigation and drainage. End of chapter 23